Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome to the Punk Rock and Beer Podcast. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty. This is the Punk Rock NBA Podcast. Today's guest is Lil Aaron, someone I've been wanting to have on the show for quite a while. As you might guess from his name, because it has a Lil in it, he is an emo rapper or alternative rapper or whatever word you want to use for it. But in addition to that, he's also a super talented songwriter, and we get into both of those things on this show. First of all, kind of the business model for being a solo artist and how a lot of alternative rappers such as himself embody that and second kind of a peek behind the scenes of how the whole songwriter thing works he's worked with artists like lizzo and kim petrus and black bear among many others selena gomez like real like a-list artists And if you've ever wondered what it means when you see like seven songwriters on a song or, you know, when someone says they did a co-write, like what exactly does that mean and how do they get paid? How do you end up getting that job? Those are the kind of things that we talk about in this episode. So if that sounds interesting to you, then definitely stick around. Before we get into it, I wanted to mention a couple ways that you can support the show if you were so inclined. Number one, sharing it on social media really helps a lot because the podcast platforms don't do a whole lot there to help us get the word out about the show. Spotify is starting to do something there, but even then, it really helps a lot if you can share it and tag me, tag the guest, tag Deanna. Second, if you really, really like us, you can support us on Patreon. It is because of the patrons who support us, especially those of you who support at the true cult level or above, that we are able to do this show. That is the way that I was able to hire Deanna, our producer and editor, who makes this whole thing happen and is absolutely amazing. It is because of our patrons that we're able to do that. So thank you very much for your support. And if you are interested in supporting us over there, there's a link to that in the show notes. And with that out of the way, let's get into the show. Lil Aaron, welcome to the podcast. Or as Zoom says, Aaron Lil. Like Aaron uh, Lil. I, I like that. Like when you go to the DMV or something and right. you know, they, they list your last name first. I like right. that. Exactly. That's 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 exactly what that is. What if that I don't was know your real happened. name, though. That would be so convenient. Yeah, if, if my la- like, I come from a long lineage of Lils. Yeah, right. I don't know how Zoom did that, and I don't know how to change it. I'm like very bad at Zoom, so. Well, you know, Zoom, Zoom, uh, unexpectedly got like a hundred million new users because of the uh, pandemic. Yeah, they were in that list of companies that like definitely benefited off the pandemic yeah so i think that they probably got caught with a few rough edges that they planned to polish uh before this many people were on it but yeah were, like all the people uh zooming into like you know college classes with their dong out and whatnot wow yeah that would be unfortunate <laughs> i guess uh, there's a lot of things i wanted to talk about you know coming from indiana to where you're at uh among other things and about just kind of how the songwriting process in your world works because uh, I think that's something a lot of people aren't aware of. Yeah. Uh, but first, let's talk about 808 Rock, your long-awaited EP that was supposed to come out a very long time ago. 
that just came out uh was it two weeks ago now yeah a week or two or three or four i don't know every day just blurs together now exactly um yeah well so so first off i don't know that it was necessarily like supposed to come out forever ago but it has been done for a while i kind of purposefully sat on it for a minute because i was waiting for the right time to drop it i mean when me and eric ron started that project like three years ago if we dropped it that year i don't think it would have been oh wow it's that old proper timing yeah oh wow i mean yeah that's when we that's when we started doing the first couple songs um but I think and I think even still I, I was a little early on it, but but good early. Like I think if that would have dropped like summer of twenty twenty one, it would have been like boom. But I also enjoy being early just to, to the party. I just didn't want to be three years early to the party. Right. Well, three years ago, if you put this out, that would have been so early that nobody would get it at all. Well, the whole idea of guitars and trap hats hadn't even affected mainstream in the way that it has now at that point so i mean i would say even people like in the underground wouldn't have gotten it three years ago yeah but people in the underground didn't get the project i was projects i was dropping three years ago either i wouldn't say i'm like like massive massively embraced by the underground like i have i definitely have my subset of the underground that fucks with me but like i'm definitely like a little bit more polished than a lot more of the underground stuff and then a little bit rougher around the edges than a lot more of the mainstream stuff so it's kind of one of those like caught in the middle type things so how do you know when the right time to release something is like what made you think there's no way to like know for sure i kind of just i mean i I, I, we already i had already planned on dropping it you know at the near the second half of this year um before the mgk rollout happened but that was definitely a good sign to me right right right. people were, were opening up to like rock music with rap influence and shit like that um so that that definitely put some like you know that definitely helped me pull the trigger um also just in general you know i i i I start i like really feel the resurgence of of new metal starting to happen you know yeah with bands like omerta and like and like vein and like you know there's a lot of there's a lot of cool shit happening where I'm like, all right, like the cool kids are starting to understand that this is the next shit. So like now let me like put my put my timestamp on this, even though like, you know, I dropped Vans Untied at the beginning of the year. And I think that properly timestamped like, hey, guys, yeah, this I'm doing this, you know, but the project as a whole and the 808 rock music video kind of like just like secured secured where it was. Any artist could come out with the crazy trap new metal come back and then if i came out a, a week or two later it's right. all of a sudden like derivative of that even though it'd been done three years earlier so so it's kind of a delicate balance of like figuring out when to pull the trigger and not waiting too long but not rushing it but i think it was perfect timing for setting me up for for like the album that i'm currently working on is that gonna be another three years or hopefully not that no long? i promise it won't be i mean fuck i the way i work maybe but i've already got like a couple songs that i think will make it i also like have been my whole career i've been like so scared of the idea of an album because i never want to give people more than what they want you know but the fact that that people were upset that 808 rock wasn't an album is like the best complaint i think you can get from your fans 
like, what the fuck? You're not giving us enough, you know? So I'm like, perfect. So it, it basically, as soon as I announced the, like the EP, like before it was even out and people were complaining about the, how short it was, I already was like, perfect. I can start working on an album. Like people actually want to hear an album from me, which is crazy, you know? Cause when you come out the gate, you're like, will you listen to 30 seconds of one song, please? You know? <laughs> All right. And then like, you get a couple songs and you're like, would you possibly listen to a three or four song EP? And then it's good to know that now I'm at the point where I'm like, fuck it. If I put out like an 18 song album, my fans are going to be excited that there's that much content. Well, that's a good time for me to kind of back up a little bit. You've been making music for a long time, but you came from Indiana. How right. long, when, when did you move from Indiana? And, and you're, and you're from Goshen, which I've been like to seven years ago, I think. Yeah. Goshen kind of sucks. I mean, look, there's, there's obviously the cool aspects of it and the sucky aspects of it, but it's not built for someone like me. What made you think, and I don't mean this in like a shitty way, but like, what made you think you, you could do this? Like a dude from Goshen coming out here to do what you do. You know, I like, you know, recently I've been trying to do a lot of like reflecting on stuff like that. Cause you know, now that I'm like, I'm 26 and like, I'm kind of reaching this point in my life of like, I achieved a lot of things that I worked towards, but like, I'm still like, trying to assess and look around and see what the next moves are. But it's like some of that like blind ignorance I had when I was like 16 to like 20 or where I just like fully, fully believed I was like the best ever. And the funniest thing is that like the art that I was making at that point is like the worst shit ever. You know, I, I hadn't done anything to warrant like the fact that I really thought I was the one that was going to make it out or the one that, you know, could take it to the next step or whatever. Some of it, I wish I could have back, you know, that like just blind, like I'm the shit. Everything I do is the best thing ever. And like one day I'm going to be rich and famous, you know? And now I'm kind of like, all right, like I'm pretty cool. And like, sometimes I do some cool shit and like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. I don't know what that spark was when I was younger that like fucking made me go against every logical thought and think that i would be the one that would come out of my town that would make it to la that would you know get to where i'm at now i don't know what that was i wish i could put my finger on it yeah i know what you mean like i think back to you know when i was younger i never like second guessed myself i just like oh i'm gonna do this thing and not that i necessarily thought it was gonna be the best thing ever or that i was gonna end up you know rich and famous but i just i didn't worry about whether people were gonna like it or if it was gonna be yeah i think i think also it's like you have a lot less to lose you have nothing to lose you know when you're when you're like a young kid it's just like fuck it i'll move to la and i'll roll the dice with this what's the worst that could happen i end up back in my shitty town or whatever and then as you move on i mean not that like you know not that i'm like over here second guessing every move now but it's it there definitely isn't that same just like blind like i'll just go into any situation and i'll and i i'll fucking you know <laughs> like it's gonna work out for me now i'm like i kind of assess situations like maybe maybe yeah. i should hold off on this one but but I, it's the best decision i ever made in my life you know moving to la i moved to la with like 400 bucks cash <laughs> i like you're rich on, i slept on a futon from target you know it's just stupid shit like i think i was just so hungry for anything else you know I th- in in like middle school and high school i fucking hated i hated everything you know saying it wasn't you know classic like kid listening to fucking warped for emo music but like i really did i was just like this fucking town isn't for me like i'm not built for this shit i'm built for something bigger before i moved to la i i, I was on the road for a couple years with a couple different bands and like i knew that i wanted to like get out and then I think through that, I we toured through LA a couple times. And every time I was here, I was like, whoa, like this is it. This is where you become a star. This is where you get to fucking roll the dice, you know? 
and and I and I think you know uh, me and my friends kind of refer to like being in LA as like like a glitch in the matrix because like mm-hmm. you can be out here and then like randomly like crazy shit opportunities just happen you know like when you when you can just place yourself in LA the situations and people that you'll run run into is just like it's insane like I, I think that was part of it too it was just like you run like I don't know I knew that nothing was happening where I was at and I knew that I don't think LA turned out to be exactly what I thought it was, but you know, I, I, I saw LA as this place where like, look, if I'm going to do it, I have to go here. What are some of the ways that it's not what you thought? It can also be a shithole and there's a bunch of shitty people and, and it's like mostly built on lies, you know, <laughs> like it's like, yeah, this, yeah, we'll it's do like the city together. of broken dreams. Right. You know, it's like every Uber driver and waiter you have thought that they were that kid that, that would make it out of their hometown and be rich and famous too. And it gets like kind of dark. I mean, look, I, I've, I applaud anyone that even fucking steps up to the bat to swing. What happens after that good or bad, like who cares? Like the fact that anyone would like come to LA and roll the dice and put everything on the line just to like make a crazy dream plausible reality you know like the possibility of it coming true like i applaud anyone who tries anybody who puts themselves out there you don't even have to come to la just like anybody who uploads a song to soundcloud like fucking put yourself out there it's gonna suck and that's okay that's part of the process i remember so my older band my older brothers and bands and stuff and that's like kind of how i first got introduced to like the, the live music scene and all that one of my first bands was about to play some shows and i'd never played a show and I was so fucking nervous. And I was I was talking to the bassist in my brother's band. And I was just like, man, like, I'm so fucking nervous. What am I going to do? And he's like, dude, the first like 10, 20 shows are going to suck. You're not going to do good. Just get them out of the way. So then I remember I just booked like 20 shows in like two months, you know? I'm like, all right, if these are going to suck, I'm going to get them out of the way so I can start getting good. I obviously didn't get good. I don't even think I got good at live performing until the tour that I saw that that we met on. You the know? issues like, one. Yeah, that's like not even live performance has always been, um, I don't want to say my weakest point, but I think where I have the most area for for growth. Same thing applies to coming to LA where I was just like, it's going to suck. So just do it and get it out of the way. I just think of it like a deck of cards, like the bottom of the deck is the good stuff. And so you just got to get through all the shitty cards first. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. And, and again, like I think back, back then I had nothing but time on my hands right so like for me to have to for me to it's funny for me to back then be like okay maybe if i put like two years into this maybe something will happen you know i had all the fucking time in the world oh dedicate two years to this or like be doing some bullshit in la interning or whatever for for a year like that didn't sound that crazy you know and and look back at this year like fucking it's crazy how quick a year can go by but um, has, has this been a good year for you? Because a lot of people I've talked to have said this is like one of their best years. Mental health, probably not my best yeah. ever, but yeah. financially, definitely like definitely one of my best years. My structure of how I get paid isn't really built on like if I do anything. It's more of the accumulation of what I've done in the past. So like it doesn't really yeah. matter how good a year is. It's, I think every year is going to grow Hopefully. for me. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about that for a minute. So you are, you know, most people listening to this probably know you for your own music, but you do a lot of songwriting and production for other people, too. I, I know some of that stuff, but can you kind of tell people what you've done there? And I want to talk oh, a little okay, bit about yeah. how I, that I hate works. this question because I honestly, like, don't have like a list. But I mean, like, I think some of the most notable stuff I've done is is uh, working on the Lizzo Because I Love You album. 
um, that won a Grammy this year. I did a song for Big Boy. That's his biggest song since being an outcast. I've done like so many songs with Black Bear, probably like more than 10. And you when know? you say doing a song, what does that mean? you know created a song together like in those in all those examples my credit would be as a songwriter all of my biggest you know music accolades are as a songwriter i didn't even really start getting into the production thing until like the last year and a half and for the first year of that i was mostly just doing it alone on my computer so i have a couple cool production things coming soon but but none of the like things that I've accomplished in my past thus far have been like the the biggest ones haven't been songwriting. Let me, I'm going to ask some dumb questions here because there's a lot of stuff here that I think people don't understand. So when you say cool. you wrote a song with black bear, does that mean you wrote every word coming out of his mouth or the, of the song that people hear on Spotify or what exactly does that mean? Okay. Yeah. That's a question I get a lot. The hardest thing for people to wrap their heads around is that it is literally different every single time there's no blanket answer so someone like black bear is a fucking amazing fucking good songwriter amazing songwriter it's not like he needs me to like he's gonna make a great you know i'm saying he's gonna make a, a, a great song without me but what the way that we work together is that we bounce stuff back and forth so so a lot of the stuff would be like a i mean we were on tour together so like we were just circumstantially around each other all the time and so like to blow off steam or to like get away from the crowd or whatever we would go to a little studio on the back of the bus and and write stuff so it's like it's not like either of us needed you know what i'm saying people think that like just because you collaborated with someone that one of you needed each other and it yeah would, right but like it's like oh I, aaron's really writing everything for him no no he not sucks. that at all and like and it's like and it's like the other way around too it's like oh if i work with someone that like oh i needed that but it's like eric I, ron does everything for yeah him. exactly even though man he really does want... do everything eric is the goat yeah but, but like, uh, people, it's just weird like how people always want to discredit <sighs> Dude, I, I've you know seen this. I mean? I've seen I, I've seen people like complaining about the amount of songwriters on the MGK album, and I was like, "Yo, like, who fucking cares? Like, how many people worked on a piece? Like, if there was a painting and like thirty people painted on it, like, why does that make the painting less? Do you cool? like the painting or not? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't give a fuck. It makes it cooler to me. And at the same time, I think. That just goes to show that, like, I think you should credit everyone that works on your project because a lot of these projects that you see that only have four people credited on them, they're not crediting everybody that fucking steps in the room and works on it. it, it and then it looks like, like so cool to you because, oh, they wrote and produced it and whatever. It's like just because they didn't credit everyone does not make it cooler or them a better artist. In yeah, my opinion. And, you know, if it's some with all due respect to them, if it's some small like if it's an MGK record and I worked out it, you better fucking believe I'm going to fight to get a credit on. Exactly. That. But if but it's if some random local small i'm mean, like uh, whatever i you can credit me or not i don't care exactly it doesn't fucking make or break your day yeah as a songwriter who exists all credit you know uh, and credit gets me future jobs but it's the percentage that that actually pays my bills but i'm not going to go into the specific of the song but there's a yeah. song that i'm dealing with right now multiple songs on an album that i worked on that that I wasn't credited on or have been, you know, um, worked out any percentage. So it's like, th it, it's frustrating as a songwriter where it's like, there's not as much tangible evidence that I did something where if you invite me into a room and, and we bounce ideas off of each other and then, and then you record it, like it's, it's hard for me without, without your blessing or you saying that I did it to me, for me to be like, no, I did that. Like, yeah. You know, it's it, it's kind of built on some some version of an honor system, you know. So 
So when you're working on a song, that could be anything from you uh, just giving them some suggestions on arrangement, like maybe you should repeat this chorus a couple more times, or it could be you writing lyrics and melody, or it could be like... Yeah, a lot of times, things. a lot of times it's like it's lyrical conceptual that's kind of my bag is like conceptual lyrical um i mean i do i i think melodically too i i i have a lot of really good ideas but if i'm working with someone like bear it's like we're kind of just keeping the momentum momentum going so if he like comes up with a line i'll just like it seems like he's beat him really ideas for the next melodies. line oh yeah he's amazing with melodies yeah that's how uh, some of the artists that i'm like closer with as friends i think the way we usually work is like you know there's a beat or something you know the music that we're writing to and then we kind of just keep the momentum going just throwing ideas back and forth like sing a little hook idea sing it back maybe one person will tweak that idea and then it kind of just morphs into something and then like you know what i'm saying the beat's just going and you're just throwing it back and forth until it grows and it grows and it grows and it becomes a hook and then it becomes a verse and a hook and you're not becomes, really you know, worried about like oh did aaron write no and no fucking good songs are built like that that's that's the problem is that like it has to be kind of it has to be this honor system where like after the song is made we just you know in the pop music world it's kind of assumed that it's like if we go into a room to make a session everybody's leaving with equal credit you know and i prefer it like that because i don't want i don't want these like fucking email threads of like fighting over two percent or five percent it's like anytime someone's like and it's like okay you want an extra two percent whatever take it i I don't give a fuck man like i'm not gonna sit here and try to remind you what i did in the room because we were both probably high and (laughs) we just were throwing ideas back and forth i programmed twice as many hi-hats as you did yeah dude that shit's so like i don't even know it's like okay if you really think you're doing more than me then maybe we just shouldn't be working together you know i i only really want to work with people that kind of can all agree that we're we're all equals in the room and and even if someone does carry the weight that day like the next time we work together i'm probably gonna carry the weight you know so how do you end up uh working on a like top level artist like lizzo that is i'm as far as i know she's not really part of like your social circle how do you end up being part of a project like that when i worked with lizzo she was like not not near as popular as she as she is now so i think you know timing was a a big thing of that i I would attribute some of that to luck i was doing a lot of different sessions but uh ricky reed brought me into that and he signed and developed her so so um so you know him from some other project you know just being just around the scene around um I had a couple friends that were signed to him and and through that I got to meet him and I and I was a fan of his so I you know when we initially met I think I kind of just expressed like hey man I've been a big fan of your stuff since wallpaper so we found So if you meet somebody on. it's not a bad move to tell them that you like it's like people want to like be cool and like not oh, tell somebody my, that you like bro, their shit that's the that's the most annoying thing especially with like this younger look and I'm not saying this is a specifically happens with the younger generation I'm sure it happens every shift of you know people but like when i meet someone i'm i'm sorry i can tell if you've heard my music i can listen to <laughs> right. you, i can put your song on and be like all right you've heard my you've heard drugs before like you know what i'm saying and, and i can tell when people are like oh what's your name i'm like and then like you know like 30 minutes later like oh you're little aaron i'm like bro there's no one else out here that looks like me and dresses like me like if you know who little aaron is you knew who i was as soon as i walked in the room but it's See, what fine. i like to do the power move is deliberately get someone's name wrong like i would keep calling you eric yeah, there we go. Big Eric. Yeah, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, no, Aaron. Okay, I'll know. I'll remember that. That's what I like to do, just so everyone knows I'm important. And you're just like, wait, so, so uh, you always wear green? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's cool, man. Yeah, no, I like the green thing. 
I like the green. You should stick to that. I think you yeah. could pay off. Right. <laughs> but it, it's just funny when you meet when I meet like an artist. I, I guess it doesn't have to be younger than me, but you know, I love all of the new SoundCloud shit. But like when a kid is just like, oh, oh, you're a little Aaron. I'm like, bro. You knew, right. <laughs> but it's okay. But it's okay. I I was there too. We were all there. Like I, I remember being nervous around meeting people, and, and I remember like meeting bands that I liked when I was like a kid, and almost like being rude to them because I thought it was like gonna make me seem cooler or something. Yeah, yeah. That's and like the hot girl thing. Like, what like, the fuck is wrong with that kid? Like when hot girls are mean to you, it's like that doesn't work when you're like a fucking band dude, <laughs> right? Eighteen year old nerd. Yeah, when you're fucking like, yeah, they're just gonna be like, all right, well, fuck you, bye. <laughs> right. Like I don't know why I did that. Hey, you. Do you have any plans this year? <laughs> How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at Tuesday. 020-D.com, SoundTalentMedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Gray Street. But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, you can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or 
go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. But okay, so you, you'd mentioned that you get paid based on you know, sort of the accumulation of stuff that you've done. So how, I I think I understand what you mean by that, but tell me, explain that in regards to like your work as a writer. So, yeah. So like every song I work on that comes out, there's a percentage of the songwriting side of the song that I, that I get. Right. So that's what I'm paid out. Songwriters are pretty much paid last in the train of of payouts you know especially in the major label system we're like the last last people to to receive anything but um so so if i work on a song i get a percentage of it, it it's essentially added to my catalog that i have um a co-publishing deal with with a company that that helps me collect right so the bigger that my catalog gets by just adding songs to it even small songs big songs medium songs all of them build this catalog to a thing that generates revenue every you know what i'm saying it's basically this cloud of intellectual property ownership that is monetized through streaming and other outlets that as long as that gets bigger and this and all the songs in it don't fizzle out and become like songs that no one listens to. Yeah. Like that's it's just grows every month and it's so it's, you know it's passive income. You don't have to do anything. Exactly. It's passive income. And so yeah, it's 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 kind of a cool place to be. I mean, if the pandemic would have happened like five or six years ago, I would have been super fucked. You know, I was like living couch to couch, you know, like who the fuck would have let me stay on their couch during fucking COVID? Like, but the the fact that it happened in 2020 which you know in one way it's like this was about to be my biggest year i started off this year with the selena gomez cut and like right right the grammy thing and like all this shit it was like boom and then like everything gets cut short but at the same time i built my i built my my business up to a point where whether or not i'm working it's i'm still generating revenue so i'm at a place now where you know i could take some time off to really focus on production and start getting into some of the nerd shit that I like hadn't got time to like really focus on. And, and, you know, I could, I went home for a bit and saw my family. It's like little things that I, I'm, I'm super grateful that, that I'm at a place where like I can afford to do that. And that's not to like rub it in anyone's face. You no, know, no, obviously no. like my heart goes out to anyone who's, who the pandemic's affected like that. But well, but the reason I, I mentioned that is not again, not to rub it in anyone's face, but because I want people listening to this to go, Oh, that sounds pretty cool. How can I create my own opportunities for passive income like that? Whether that's songwriting or you know, Dude, I owning, think, I owning think, fucking gumball machines. I don't know. I think what's really cool, even if you take songwriting out of it, with streaming these days, you know, obviously everybody's up in arm about streaming payout, and I, I think they should pay us more anyway. But but I don't. But like, I'm not gonna like fucking die on that hill. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think that if you're an independent artist and you and you have the ability to to write and produce and record your own material fucking drop everything on spotify like drop a song all the time like an ep here and there because what happens is that same thing that, that i'm describing with with my catalog of songwriting stuff can happen with your distro kid or your tune baby account where like all of a sudden every month you just it's just paying you out and every time you drop a new project, like I drop 808 Rock and all the streams on my old EPs go up, you know? So it's like every, it just, just build that th- thing of, of, of uh, passive income. It's intellectual property. It's like fucking music that you own, the master of. And even if you don't own the master, you can still get paid out on it. But um, how many people do you know who are 
relatively small underground artists that are making a living off of streams? Everyone that I know, I feel like. Is so the, like I, 10, 20, 30 people. I think more, more than that. A lot of people. I, I know a handful and I'm sure, you know, 10 times more than I, I think every, like, like I would say everyone that I came up with, I think, you know, like in the last four or five years, if they're not signed to a major label, they're like independently living off of the money that their, their music generates. And I'm not, that doesn't mean that everyone's fucking rich, but like, yo, if you're out, if you're in, out in LA and, and your Spotify is getting you five, six grand a, a month. And then on top of that, you can be doing a couple other little things to get some more money. It's like, you can live off that. It's not, you know what I'm saying? You can, you can make that shit work. Yeah. Um, like I, I and, doubt, I and, doubt fats. And you don't have like, to fucking be in LA. Like that's one of the things that I, I, in my mind thought I had to be in LA, but like there's people that are killing it on Spotify and then live in fucking Oklahoma and pay $600 on rent. So it's sure, like, like, like Johnny Frank, Bill Murray, he lives in Columbus. Yeah. Yeah. Oliver Francis lives in St. Louis. I tried yeah. to get him to come out to LA and he, he's, <laughs> he's, he's been out here, but he was like, dude, I'm, I live like, it's so much easier to live out there. I'm like, I, don't blame you. I wish yeah. that I had the infrastructure to be able to do that. I don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, but the fact that they can do that is awesome. If your overhead is lower, fucking run it. I think about it sometimes, you know, we live in Seattle, which is about the same as LA as far as like cost of living. And uh, sometimes I'm like, man, are we stupid for living here instead of like moving to fucking Kansas city or something? And then I'm like, yeah, but it's Kansas city. And exactly. You know, God exactly. bless the people who enjoy, like I didn't grow up there. So I think that's a big part of it, but yeah, you know, I lived in Ohio for 12 years or whatever. And uh, I lived in Ohio for a couple of years. Didn't, I didn't enjoy it. God bless the people who, who like it there, but it's not for me. <laughs> I love Ohio, but I don't know. Yeah. I feel you. I feel you. I, I at this point I'm like, I don't think I can live anywhere else, but LA. Well, but I'll my, probably point, end up my point with all of that is exactly what you said is like, I want anybody listening to this, to realize that they can create this passive income from anywhere in the world. And you might think that it's a liability that you don't live in LA. And you know, there's certain advantages to living in a cool city, but you also have a cost advantage if you live somewhere that's not quote unquote cool because you're paying and with 600 bucks a month with zoom and all this shit. Like I haven't done them personally, but I know a lot of people that are, that are doing writing and production sessions over zoom these days, oh, you yeah. know? Like you can kind of do it wherever. I think also like you don't need to be, you don't need to have a publishing deal or a manager or, or have to, you know, be the artist and the producer. Like if you're a producer and you make beats, find an artist and make a whole project with them and split everything 50, 50, you know what I'm saying? Put it out on Spotify and push it to all of your networks and split the money 50, 50. You can still see a decent amount of money off of doing that. Like if you're just a vocalist, start a group with somebody, start a group with someone who produces and someone who, Oh, you sing, find someone who raps and like start a group and then put stuff on fucking distro kid and split it three ways. Like there's, I'm not saying that you should get into uh, underground music for the payout, but like right. there is money going around. And if you if you build a fan base and you build, you know, a, a cult following over the course of like a couple of years, like you could really start seeing that pay your bills. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, you know, tons of people who uh, who have who have done exactly that. How do you kind of balance all of the writing and production kind of stuff versus your own music like there's is there one that's more of a priority for you than the other or how do you think about that it kind of ebbs and flows but i've always kind of described it up until this year i always kind of described it as time wise i would spend 80 percent of my time as a songwriter and 20 percent of my time as an artist just when it comes to like 
time dedication to creating music. I think as far as like persona on the internet, I'm a hundred percent artist, but before COVID I was like, if I wasn't on tour, I was in the studio every single day working on other people's projects. You know, that's my, like, I don't want to call it a day job, but like, that would be the equivalent of my day job. That's like what I wake up and that's what my plan is to do with my day is to go to the studio, to work with X artist and, and work on a song for their projects. That, I think was just a natural progression of, of me kind of following the bag, you know, I kind of saw that was generating more income and I enjoyed doing it just as much, you know, if you feel like they kind of like feed each other, like you learn things from one that you apply to the other. Definitely. Definitely. I, sometimes I do wonder, you know, where my artist career would be if I had spent all of the last five years of just focusing on that and not, you know, splitting my time between being a songwriter and an artist. But at the same time, it's like the, the connections I have, yeah. me having songs with black bear is attributed to me also working with them on the songwriting front. And then me having songs with Kiara or Kim Petrus all kind of revolves back to being a songwriter and, and meeting them in that way. So like, I think, being a songwriter like only helps like only helps my artist career time wise you know i think maybe some of my projects haven't been as long because i instead of spending four months on just that i'm spending like a week every month on that um but that but that's kind of like what i'm trying to do going forward with this new project is is actually dedicate for once since since glowing pains really um dedicate like a a period of time to just doing that instead of just like oh doing it when i have free time you know instead of just being like oh i got home from the studio working with someone else let me finish this record for my project like actually making the main focus of the day my project which is weird to even think about because it's like okay now i have i don't know you know what i'm saying i mean it's a great it's great that you have the option of you know it's you're you're going to be making music either way it's just sort of like you now have the choice of where you want to focus that energy which is an awesome place to be yeah well and to be honest like if i write a really great song for someone else as soon as i leave this the studio like the burden of fucking promoting that song and doing yeah, a radio right, right. tour and turning off that song is now on them i just fucking make money off of it which is sick you know but at the same time it's like oh if that song goes number one their name is on the number one song not me and who the fuck really looks at the credits you know so like so there, it's the there's best of both world, you know what i'm saying there's it's yeah. both sides of the token where it's like um it's it's dope that I can like go I can make money off of like three or four hours of work you know what I'm saying realistically like a song like you know a lot of the songs I've worked on is like between one hour and like seven hours of work right and right. then I I'm kind of out and then they are pushing the pushing the ball uphill the rest of the way then I just get to get paid on it but at the same time it's like yeah there, there are songs that like I've the, I guess the question I get a lot too is like oh how do you know if it's your song or their song there's a song I'm not going to say exactly which one it was but there there is a song that I sent to an artist that was going to be me featuring them and then they ended up asking if they could be them featuring me and I was like sure and then now that song has like tens and tens and tens of millions of views so it's like I'm like I, I kind of think like oh man I should have made that my song but then it's like if I didn't have their team pushing it, like who right. knows that it actually would have reached that same potential. And my name's still on it. Like I'm not salty by any means, but, but it does happen sometimes where it's like, Oh, I was thinking about this being for me, but if you really want it to be for you, like, sure. That's kind yeah. of how I treat a lot of my music is 
if I played it for someone and they're a friend of mine and I'm passionate about their project and I know that them and their team are going to push it, if they really want a song, like, I bet. There's a couple songs that I hold very dearly that I'm like, that I've been, you know, accumulating that I think will eventually come out in a way, but hopefully on this album, if I can fit them in, in the right way. But there's a couple songs that I'm like, oh, this is my fucking song no matter what. But a lot of times it's like, okay, it's a great song. And if I think this artist sells it and like really wants to buy into it and, and take it to the finish line, I'm cool with that. I can write another one. That's the thing is like, I can, I can do it again. Well, it sounds like you kind of have an attitude in general of like, you know, it's not that you um, are indifferent or anything, but it it seems like you just kind of go with the flow in a lot of ways. Um, I think that's probably the best way to describe it. Whatever feels right at the time, you know? I'm not going to give like a crazy record that I think is amazing to someone that like that when they cut the demo, it doesn't sound good. But like if you kill it and you want to make it your song and and you're going to put all your resources behind it, fuck it. You know, the, the reason I bring that up is because I think a lot of people uh, maybe have like control issues and they think that they think that if they try to control everything in their career, that that's going to help and that and I'm not sure that it does like you could get all bent out of shape about exactly the way you want this session to go tomorrow, but you don't know if it's going to go that way. And you being pushy and telling the artist that you want to work your way and that you get, you know, is very likely to actually make that artist have a bad experience, especially when they're trying to make it have a very, have, have, I guess I would say control issues. Like they feel like the the way is to like clamp down and like, no, when you come into the studio, you got to do things my way. We've got to do it exactly like this. And then they get pissed off if it's not their way. And, and, and they might be right. But at the end of the day, if that means the artist has a bad experience, then it's like, well, the guy's a good songwriter, but what a fucking, pain in the ass to work with and then the manager doesn't like you and you know i just my experience in life has been that like i always have a vision of how i want things to go but i don't expect that it is going to go that way my whole life has just kind of been like just kind of throw myself into a situation and, and then figure out the best possible outcome you know what i'm saying like I don't think over, I mean, I'm, I'm hundred percent guilty of overthinking. Like I have crazy anxiety, but like, I don't think like over planning things is, is something that ever benefits anyone. It's, really you're helps. setting yourself yeah. and everyone else up for letdown, you know? So, so kind of just like I've, I set up each day, just trying to have fun and, and make something dope. I want to also make sure that I take this opportunity to get some, if, if you can, I don't know, uh, some people, some people is kind of intuitive to get some actual songwriting tips for people. Cause that's the thing that I feel very strongly about, especially like in the rock and metal world. I feel like it sounds weird to say, but I feel like songwriting is almost like an afterthought, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, 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 I've started to learn about that. Yeah. The way that songwriting is treated in the rock world is really weird but i mean it's obviously worked for them but, but i don't know i'm not gonna come here and say they're doing anything I, wrong I will be. i'll be the asshole i think also there's like a weird there's this weird like 
stigma around having people i mean like okay especially if you want to talk about something being punk you know it's like yeah oh it's so not i think that's part of why people are up in arms about the mgk thing like oh it's not punk to like have songwriters it's like is it man is it not punk for like a bunch of people to be hanging out and making a fun song that are probably each, friends yeah and for it's each of like them they... to and for each of them to get credit is that not punk it's like shut the fuck up man yeah, it's yeah. so stupid i think there's this weird like idea that if you make art by yourself it's cool Cooler, which like is just not true or right or fucking it's just like, a weird like assumption like what what well it's also that build that breeds a culture where people actively try to avoid crediting other people so that it looks cooler that they did it by themselves which doesn't fucking matter it does not point. matter and it's not cool like it all it does is put pressure on people to downgrade other people's attributions which isn't punk to me right that's a good point. you know but let's let's say somebody has a solo project and they are just writing stuff by themselves at home and they're in like a metal band or rock band or whatever. What advice would and, and maybe they're just realizing now, like, oh, I never really took songwriting seriously as like a craft. What advice would you have for that person? Write three songs a day for like as long as you can. <laughs> and you what know? if they all suck? That they, they will suck. There's no way that you can like do that quantity of something without it all sucking. So like, but it's just the practice of doing it, you know, the practice of, you know, okay, like hooks are easy, but when I get to the second verse, it's really hard. Fucking do it. Just do it and do it three times a day, every day. And then eventually you'll find out that like getting to the second verse isn't that hard anymore because you've started to develop these, you started to develop these tools that creatively help you get from point a to point b so oh okay well uh when i get to the second verse it's always really hard to come up with something but i know that like if i just say the opposite if i start by saying the opposite mm -hmm. of what i said in the first verse I, I have a jump off point okay i can use the same melody here but like adapt it a little bit Is it, you start figuring out this it's like a, a playbook a playbook or a, or a Swiss army knife of just like different things you can do. And you can apply that to anything in your life. But I think when, when I decided that I wanted to do songwriting, I hadn't really spent time as a songwriter. I'd written songs for my projects, but I hadn't like done anything as a songwriter. I was like, all right, fuck it. It's the same thing I was telling you about the show. The first hundred are going to suck. And honestly, the first thousand probably sucked, but I did them and I got them out of the way. And then along the way, if you write a thousand songs, one of them is going to be fucking cool all right one of them is gonna yep. be okay and then you latch onto that and fucking maybe put that one out or don't or just keep going like for a while i was scared to release music because i was like oh man everything i make six months from now is way cooler so like why would i ever put this out because i'm gonna be, i'm gonna be better in six months in three months whatever it is but then it's like okay well that's gonna happen the rest of my life so like what am i doing sit here and wait for like only drop only gonna drop my magnum opus after not dropping songs <laughs> for 12 years you're like 80 exactly <laughs> but is. which kind of would be sick but at the same yeah. time it's like just get that shit out there man like i think doing things for sport almost getting like, in the reps yeah getting in the reps it, it, it helps you get better that's that's like obvious i think anyone would tell you that about anything in life if you want to get better at something like do it a lot it, and do it, it when you don't want to do it. Do it early in the morning when you don't want to. Do it late at night when you don't want to. Do it when it sucks and not when it's convenient. And then you're gonna, gonna, then you're gonna like, get good at it. I think a lot of people wait until they're inspired, which is very which doesn't happen very often. 
people wait too much. It's like yeah. the perfect opportunity for anything isn't going to happen until you make it happen. I talked to so many people like, you know, like when I go, when I go home um, and like, it's like the night before Thanksgiving and everyone's at the bars, it's like, Oh man, like, how'd you like, you know, move into LA, blah, blah, blah. Like, how'd you do it? I've been, I've been like, you know, like one of these days I'm going to like, you're already too far past it. If you're thinking about, Oh, it's one yeah. of these days in the future. Like you just got to do it. Like literally whether it's moving to LA, whether it's dropping a song, whether it's, Oh, Hey, I want to be a songwriter. Just fucking do it the thing that that i did when i decided i was a songwriter is i made my my social media wasn't even like anywhere as big as it is now i probably had like five or six hundred followers but i put like my bio on everything was the greatest songwriter in the world Uh and i just fucking would say it i just said it i said it a bunch of times like and i know this is some like kooky manifestation shit but at the same time it made other people when they met me because I said it so many way. times, they're like, oh, you're a songwriter. They hadn't heard anything I wrote and I wasn't, I hadn't played them anything that would make them, that would lead them to believe I was good or bad. But I had said that I'm the best songwriter. So they were, they came in with the expectation that I was a good songwriter. Like just like, fucking do it and say, that's what you do. Like, I think that it's like such an important thing is to like call yourself the thing you want to be. Because imagine like I met you at a party and you introduced yourself as like, Oh, well, right now I work at a record store, but, you know, I also like, you know, I have my own music and sometimes I'm a songwriter. And, you know, one of these days I might put out a video like that. I'm like, oh, right. So you're a guy that works at a record store. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Versus if you had the exact same life, but you told me I'm a songwriter. Exactly. I'm a songwriter. And, And also like when when has like if you're a rapper, you're a drummer. When has having another job ever negated the fact that you're a rapper or a drummer? Like, uh, that's one thing I'm like, just because you do something else that isn't your passion, that doesn't mean that's what you, that's what, who you are. You know what I'm saying? We've all had to do stupid shit to get by. That doesn't mean you're a fucking McDonald's employee. You're still a rapper while you're working at McDonald's, bro. Be a rapper. Own that shit. Like, fucking be that shit. Or own being a McDonald's employee. That's Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that either. But I'm saying, but you don't have to be like, uh oh i'm like or like the whole idea of like a struggling rapper is like bruh you, you're just a rapper like we're all struggling come on now <laughs> right yeah well the world's most successful struggling rapper how about that exactly exactly that's my thing uh okay cool well this is this has been awesome uh is there anything else that you want to uh, add or get off your chest or any words of wisdom for the kids at home man follow your dreams do whatever you want to do and make cool shit and i know you have a lot of you probably have a lot of people listening that you know aren't necessarily Lil Aaron fans or haven't heard of much but uh I would encourage you all to listen to 808 Rock and actually and actually give it a chance I think it's a great project if you um, like Saliva and Kid Rock you're gonna like 808 there we Rock go. there we go um and stay tuned I'm working on a super dope album right album right now I'm gonna try to not take three years on it so fingers crossed but yeah thanks for having me on right on sounds good all right let's get into some Q&A From Jason Mandrash, how do you approach people for an interview? Well, it's very simple. You just need to send them a message on, you know, whatever platform that you choose to message them from. That could be Instagram, email, LinkedIn. You know, it's going to depend on the person. So what I would do is, number one, uh, find the platform where you think that they're most 
active and seem to be most uh, engaged. So for example, uh, some people you might see reply to a lot of people on Twitter, other people respond on Instagram, whatever. So find the platform where you think they're most likely to respond and then just send them a message and say, hey, how's it going? Uh, I'm a big fan of your work because blank. So the idea here is that you want people to know that you are a real, like that you appreciate their work, uh, that this isn't just some copy and pasted thing. So then say, uh, I would love to interview you on my podcast or for this magazine or whatever. And then a little bit of detail about the thing, uh, in particular, like audience size. And if it's not a big audience, you know, that's maybe not ideal, but I wouldn't worry about that too much. Like for the most part, I think people do interviews because they think it's going to be a fun conversation, not so much because of the audience size. I mean, if you have a big audience, that definitely helps, but it's not required. Uh, but I would just be straightforward about that because, you know, it, it, you, you should be respectful of them. If your podcast gets 350 listens an episode, you know, you should be honest about that. Don't, don't ever mislead people into thinking that it's bigger than it actually is. And then just say like, you know, we could do it and then give them a little bit of detail about how you want to do it. Like, oh, we could do it before your show on November 10th, or we can do it by zoom. It won't take more than half an hour or something like that. Uh, and then, you know, let me know if you're interested and then either they'll reply or they don't. And if they don't reply, follow up, you know, give them, I would say in general a week or something like that and follow up once and just say, Hey, I don't know if you you know saw this or not, but I just wanted to follow up here to see if there's interest. Uh, if not, no worries. Um, and don't worry about bothering them. If you follow up once, that's good. If you follow up more than that, that starts to get annoying. So really that's all there is to it. You just want to have a very tight pitch. Like don't just say, I want to interview you for my podcast because I don't know what the podcast is about. I don't know how big it is. Like, I, I don't know enough to say yes. So give them all that information in the pitch. And, you know, uh, sometimes people say yes, sometimes they say no. But if you just keep doing it, then uh, eventually people will say yes. From Tyler Pike 406, do you ever feel like other professionals in the business world take your work less seriously because you make content for the scene, quote unquote? No, I have never encountered that, although uh, sometimes I think they should, because if they knew how fucked up and dumb, you know, the music world is, then uh, it probably should make them roll their eyes a little bit. But no, I've never encountered that. In fact, I would say it's the opposite. You know, music is one of those things that, you know, everybody thinks music is cool. So if you talk about music, there's going to be very, very few people other than me because I'm an asshole. There's very few people that will see that as a negative. Like, and besides with the audience size that I have now, like it's big enough that it doesn't really matter what the content is about. Like if I, I get a hundred thousand views on pretty much everything I put out within a week, and that's a big enough number that you kind of just have to respect it no matter what the content is. Like if someone has a channel about model trains or classic football games or whatever it is that I don't care about, if they're getting a hundred thousand people a week to pay attention, like you have to respect that. So I haven't had that problem. And in general, you know, I wouldn't worry about that. I think people will respect it if you are passionate about whatever it is that you're doing. And that's what it comes down to. As long as it's not like some super weird thing, like brony stuff or hentai or something like that, as long as it's not any like actually kind of 
weird subject, nobody's going to care. They'll they'll be excited that you are passionate about something. You know, passion is contagious. So I wouldn't worry too much about that if you are. All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that. And you can just sit at home thinking about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal the Man, to Fat Mike from No Effects, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild Podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.